0: ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Getting a little bit of an early start today because we've got a lot of stuff to do. So it's basically come home, slam some tacos, and get going on the podcast, and then right back out the door. It's my favorite thing in the world to do, to uh, never have any time to just sit, and um, I love it. It's, it's great, all right? It's like the last thing I want to do after working all day and ultimately all week is to have any time to just have for yourself, you know? That's all right. Maybe tomorrow. Actually, no. Uh, tomorrow, I'm, my, my time is gone as well. Um, Friday, maybe. Maybe Friday, I'll be able to sit and enjoy a few minutes. Sorry. I'm <laughs> it's always one of those things where you forget, you know? If you remember and you can kind of brace for it, it's fine. But it's like you get home and it's like, yes, work is over. And you get home, it's like, you ready to go? I'm not going anywhere. What are you talking about? Oh, right. That's right. Now I remember. Anyways, such is life. Uh, I did want to just kind of touch on a couple things we talked about yesterday. Number one, the Michael Lombardi thing. I don't know if you went back and listened to it. Um, I did have uh, somebody on Facebook reach out, said he's been listening for a long time. Kind of has a little bit of a beat on him, but... Apparently, most of Michael Lombardi's takes, and it's almost exactly what I said it was, but he said it comes from his cousin, Vince. Uh, I looked him up, by the way, no relation to the actual Vince Lombardi, but he has a cousin named Vince, so they have the same name. And coincidentally, he's a Packer fan, probably something to do with his name. But his opinions become Michael Lombardi's opinions, right? And so it's, it's one of those things where he's just a guy with just an opinion, And it's no different than on Pat McAfee's show. You got that one guy who's a Packer fan. He hates Brian Gutekunst. He hates Matt LaFleur, apparently, and is obsessed with Aaron Rodgers, partially probably because Aaron Rodgers is on their show, so that's the opinion he has to have. But then that that informs the opinion of the show, and a lot of people that end up watching the show and listening to the show, especially if they're not Packer fans and don't really have any insights, they just assume this is what everybody thinks and everybody knows. It's just common knowledge. It's not knowledge. It's an opinion based on information we don't know what we're talking about, so... Again, a little disappointed that he takes um, his cousin, who's just some rando fan, um, you know, probably a diehard, but so what, and uh, takes that to be the official opinion of, of the Green Bay Packers. It's just, it's silly. And again, I went through all the information you need to know. Um, you have whatever opinion you want, but it just can't be a wrong one. So unless you have different information on him being bad against quality head coaches, um, it's time to dismiss the nonsense. But uh, in to be specific, the message I got on Facebook was, been listening to Michael Lombardi for years, 90% of his Packers views are formed by a, uh, or certainly influenced by his cousin. His cousin is an angry Packer fan who hates Matt LaFleur and pretty much hates everything the Packers do, even when they win, which we all know people like that. They're the ones that message me constantly. They're the ones that are the most insufferable when the Packers lose. They pop up and say, I told you so, because even a stop clock is right twice a day. right, Packers suck, Packers suck, Packers suck, Packers suck. And those three times a year when they're right, when the Packers lose those three games, the three days a year, they pop up and say, I told you so. (laughs) It's, It's incredible. But apparently that's, uh, that's whatever. Anyways, ripping through a little bit of news and notes here, um, we do not play the 49ers this week, but we do play them next week, and there's a couple different things going on with the 49ers. Number one is running back Raheem Mostert apparently is going to undergo season-ending knee surgery, which is relatively significant. Raheem Mostert is a talented running back. Obviously, when you're talking about the 49ers, uh, they're a team that pretty much anybody you put back there is going to have some success because of just they, they just run the ball well. The other somewhat interesting thing here is that they drafted a couple of running backs. One of them is Mr. Trey Sermon. The other is Elijah Mitchell. So the young guns are going to be getting some opportunities. And again, I I fully anticipate them doing quite well. But it'll be interesting, and it's something to keep an eye on. Um, On the negative side, and this is a lot of negative Packer fans are not going to want to hear this. So if you are a negative Packer fan that hates everything Brian Gutekunst does and thinks that he should do something different, plug your ears. Apparently, things with Brandon Ayuk are, are really going poorly. According to Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports, Brandon Ayuk, quote, tailed off dramatically, unquote, during training camp and is, quote, still learning how to be a pro. Ayuk was benched in favor of Trent Sherfield, never heard of him in my life, against the Lions in week one. He didn't see a target as the Niners scored 41 points. Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan hinted that Ayuk's hamstring injury suffered in late August set him back while Sherfield impressed coaches in the preseason. Ayuk's regression from his outstanding rookie campaign is a disaster for fantasy managers who drafted him in the summer. He's nothing more than a stash in 12-team leagues for now. Now, if you've listened to Kyle Shanahan talk about this, it's very clear that there's more to it than just a hamstring injury. Um, there, are, there are problems in terms of Ayuk, you know, again, learning to be a pro, I guess is one way to put it. He, without saying it, was sort of hinting at the fact that he's just not putting in the work and he's not, he's not doing what he needs to do to be able to get the starter reps. And they finally just got tired of it and said, then you're not going to play. So again, not a great sign for Mr. Ayuk. Uh, that is a good sign for everybody else. And also kind of a, a kick in the face to all the, we should have drafted Brandon Ayuk people. I know he's gone, but still, it's just, you know, there's that pool of guys that were acceptable draft picks, and then there's the pool of guys that are not acceptable, uh, and that pool is basically one guy, and the one guy is always the guy we draft. Getting into some uh, Green Bay Packers content, uh, despite, and we'll talk a little bit more about this because this is kind of where we're at, It's sort of resetting the market, I guess, on a lot of things, but before we get to all that, I want to look at the... uh, the spread because despite how bad the Packers played, um, Vegas, which again when you have to put your money where your mouth is, those guys don't want to lose money. They have the Packers as well. I shouldn't say Vegas. PFF. Let me let me pull up Vegas first, and by Vegas because they're sponsoring me currently. I mean DraftKings, obviously. So this is even even crazier. Um, the Green Bay Packers are half point favorites. So according to Vegas and everybody else, despite all the disaster ratings and all the the panic and they're done and all that stuff, um, nobody actually believes it, right? Nobody believes it. Um, 11.5-point favorites is staggering, especially when we talk about a Detroit Lions team that always plays the Packers close. They're looking at the Packers and they're looking at the Lions and they're saying the Packers are still way up here and the Lions have still gone way down here, so... That's that's stack. I'm even shocked by that. I mean, I was shocked the other way before when we were only three point favorites of the Saints. I'm thinking that's a little silly. We should be a little bit higher than that. Now I'm looking at this going, are you sure? I wouldn't take the Packers in this one. I'm not going to lie. Packers very rarely blow anybody out. uh, But okay. in fact, out of curiosity, I wonder how many teams we've beaten by, let's say, 12 points, because if we get 11, we don't cover it. So it's got to be 12 or more. No, that's a, that's a decent pile here. We got uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So four a year. Actually, that's not even true. Six a year because it's just 2019 and 2020, obviously, because this year just started. But uh, all the... So six times a year is 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 a lot. That's one third of our games. We not only win, but win by 12 points or more. Um, the first one being Oakland, 42 to 24. The Giants, 31-13. Minnesota, 23-10. Detroit 42-21, Atlanta 30 35-20 against Houston, 34-17 against the 49ers, 41-25 against Chicago, 30-16 against Philadelphia, 40-14 against Tennessee, 35-16 against Chicago, and 32-18 against the Rams. That is a lot higher than I would have thought. In my mind, we win close and we lose big, but that doesn't super, I mean, do most teams win by 12 points? <laughs> I mean, this often? Let me just switch to any other team. So the Kansas City Chiefs have won by 12 points 13 times. One more time than the Packers have in that same time period. And one of those, by the way, is this year. So in 2019 and 2020, it's the exact same amount. Am I the only one that's shocked by this information? I feel like this is shocking information. I don't know. Because in, in my mind, 12 points is, a, is basically a blowout. But um, we have just as many as the Chiefs. Huh. righty. Anyways, moving on. The uh, PFF has us at 10.5-point favorites. They're never quite in our favor. (laughs) They always seem to dislike us a little bit more than than Vegas. But if I go on to read this, it kind of explains it a little bit. It says, uh, This is very much me not overreacting to a Week 1 situation where the Packers looked lethargic and bad and the Lions battled back to cover against the 49ers at home. Aaron Rodgers is on track to earn the league's second-worst PFF passing grade while Green Bay's defense was extremely loose against a physical New Orleans Saints offense. The Packers have had performances like this before, most recently 38-10 to Tampa, uh following such an outing Green Bay 1 and 2-1 two, a two-score affair against a similarly bad Houston Texans team on the road, so a bounce back is not unprecedented. So all that to say as of right now, despite our own um panic and despair about how bad this team is, um this is the the, the second highest expected beating behind uh what is it the Somebody against the Texans, I don't know. It's not Browns-Texans. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I close the tab. We're moving on. Another bit of news, and it's slightly old news, but it's still news. Um, Green Bay Packers have worked out cornerback Holton Hill. This happened yesterday, but I missed it, so here we are. Again, I don't read too much into it in terms of this must mean we want a cornerback. I just think the Packers, they have a list of guys. They bring in those, list of those guys whenever they can to see if maybe there's something there. Usually there isn't, but sometimes there is, and They end up being a big contributor for our team. Uh, He was an undrafted free agent for the Vikings in 2018. He had a pretty solid rookie year. He actually had a 70 overall grade as a rookie, playing 376 snaps, which is more than he played in 2019 or 2020. Um, Let's see, he allowed one touchdown, but had a pick and three pass breakups, 67 passer rating, um, allowed 183 yards, but again, somewhat of an abbreviated season overall, but still pretty solid. Um, for some reason, I thought he was a very tiny guy, but he's 6'2", about 200 pounds. He's got four-four-nine speed, so he's a bigger guy. He's got some speed. Packers kind of like that style of player anyways. Um, primarily played out on the boundary. 323 of his 376 were in the boundary, only 13 in the slot, 38 in the box. So he was in the box more often than in the slot. So he's a boundary guy, but uh, no news on if anything materialized or will materialize with that. As far as Mr. Josiah Deguara... Some seemingly good news. I don't know why, like, in my mind when he got hurt, I was thinking, this poor guy's out for the year again. And it, I don't know, I, again, I don't know why. It just, it felt like we weren't going to have him back. But um, DeGuara, quote, in a good spot after concussion, says headline via Mr. Bill Huber. Packers coach Matt LaFleur is hoping Darnell Savage will be ready for Monday and Zadarius Smith will be able to play more snaps. But speaking about uh, Mr. Josiah DeGuara, quote, I'm just glad that Josiah, is, he seems to be in a good spot. He said on Monday after the 38-3 defeat. Obviously, he is in protocol, so we'll see how he advances through it. So, um, again, I, for most of you, you probably didn't even have this thought. It's just my brain is dumb. Uh, it's good news because he's he's coming back. It may not be Monday. It probably won't be Monday, but um, he will be back, and that's kind of cool. I thought I'd. he didn't play very much, but I wanted to look at his statistics because, uh, again, he looked fairly decent last year. He didn't grade out super well, but um, he only played five snaps, Three of them were blocking though, run blocking to be specific. He had a 74.3 overall run blocking grade. So that was basically the only thing they had him doing out there and he did a pretty good job of it. So we'll have to see. Um, Again, I know they really like the guy and they want to be able to kind of get him involved in this offense and it just hasn't been working. But um, again, he went out there and he did his job. I think before we go to the break, um, there's a bunch of, there's kind of a pile of things I want to get to, but I want to save that for the second half. I want to just real quick go over to Twitter get A couple because I solicited comments and I haven't even touched on any of them, so I just want to not obviously go through all of them because there's a billion of them, but anything that we kind of haven't touched on, I want to be able to touch on. But uh, Goose kicked it off, said this is the same team in DNA, they either play lights out or they stay on the bus. I'm more or less going to keep it there. Um, I think that's a good way to view it, and, and if you view it that way, then you expect a full bounce back. My only concern. Um, and this is one of the things that came up. I probably should save it, but I might as well mention it. I don't know if I mentioned this before or not. This is the worst beating Aaron Rodgers has ever taken in his entire career. That, uh, if I knew that, I forgot that I knew that because that blew my mind when I heard that. Now I read an article, I forget who wrote it. I'm sure it'll come up later, but I'm like, I got to look that up because I'm positive that's wrong. And I looked it up and sure enough, the only ones, um, and I, I think I did say that on the podcast, but for some reason it didn't register, um, because I just, I was looking at it. And I thought for sure that was wrong. It wasn't. Uh, He did play in a couple of games where we got beat this bad, but he was not the starter. And the other obvious thing here is the defense. Um, And look, I understand it's a new defense, but but a lot of times new defenses actually get a a boost. You know, right out of the gate, they look really good. Um, And again, when you look at it historically, it's not true that, well, you should expect this because it's a new defense. You absolutely should never expect this, ever. New defenses, old defenses, nobody ever does this poorly. So uh, the fact that we went this far backwards this fast, this hard is is problematic and scary. So I tend to agree that it's the same team, same team DNA, and they'll be able to get back on track and hopefully be able to become a very good football team. But I am concerned um, at the very least of the defense because there are unknowns as far as this scheme and how it's all going to come together. And, you know, a lot of people have been pointing to the lack of success from Joe Barry, which I more or less ignore because like I said, I've, for years I've tried to track coaches and, and see if there's any kind of formula to you know, what makes a good coach. And there just isn't, you know, everybody just wants a coach that wins all the time, but those guys go other places and they're just not good. You know, I mean, the, what is it, McDaniel or whatever over in new England, that's your guy. If that's what you want, you know, other people, they want like the veterans and you know, why, do, why can't we go out and get like a veteran head coach instead of this? LaFle- what you mean? Like Mark, uh, instead of Matt LaFleur, we should have got a guy like, oh, I don't know, uh, Mike McCarthy or something, you know, it just, it just doesn't work that way. That's all I know. Um, And I've given examples of guys that have not had success, and then all of a sudden something just clicks, you know, I don't know. So I I just, I wanted to give it a shot, but at the same time, if it doesn't work out, it's one of those things you're going to look back on it and go, well, duh. (laughs) Anthony says, I'm getting worried about Kenny Clark. I'm beginning to think he just isn't the player we all thought. Z, while he didn't have a big day, he made a big play and could have changed the game. He consistently has done that time and time with us. I've been kind of on that train with Kenny for a while. I gave you the statistics, and the statistics were very good as far as pass rush, but he hasn't been that elite presence for many years. And we can say it's because of the guys around him. But again, all the other elite guys don't have anybody else around them. So that's, a, that's kind of a lame excuse. Aaron Donald has no help. The guy for the Chiefs, whatever his name is, I can never remember. Uh, Chris Jones. He does not have help. Yeah, he does. He's got that one pass rusher everybody loves. No. First of all, that's a pass rusher. We have pass rushers. Name me the top tier defensive tackles. He doesn't have any. He dominates by himself. We're paying Kenny to be that guy. So I don't want to hear about, well, Kiki needs to be better and Lancaster needs better. No, 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 no. Kenny needs to be better. And if he can't do it by himself, and he's a guy that does really well when he's got a bunch of guys next to him, when he's got Zedarius and Preston and another top-tier defensive tackle, then he's not the guy that we paid him to be. I mean, Mike Daniels never had any help, and he dominated. Why why does Kenny get this excuse? I don't understand. Again, I like the start. He graded out fine. I think he was in the 70s, and his pass rush grades were through the roof. But um, it does need to be consistent like from here on out he just needs to be that guy because he hasn't been for a while Uh, Jordan says glad we got that out of the way if that doesn't focus the group nothing will Joe Barry what are you doing and that that and I kind of talked about it before too but that's kind of my biggest concern with this game coming up because you know all the stuff about that was a fluke or we didn't have a preseason or what all the excuses go out the window because this is a bad team at home um, we've got experience. We're 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 in this now. We're two weeks deep. If we can't get it together, there's a much deeper issue. Kyle says need to figure out the second outside corner assignment. Get pressure on the quarterback. Offensive line will get better as they get more time together. And again, that was kind of what I pointed to too. As much as we want to say everything was terrible, there were some things that were good, and, and really just a couple minor tweaks. Because there's never a game where everybody plays well. Usually it's kind of split 50-50. These guys were good. These guys were bad. It's just the right combination and then also how good were the good and how bad were the bad on top of who were the good and who were the bad. You know, if the bad is really bad and the good is kind of good and the bad is Aaron Rodgers and your key players and the good is, you know, you know, Josh Myers and Elton Jenkins, which is great. It's like, you know, cool, but we lost the game for sure. But yeah, so we, we, we need to get pressure and we need to be able to block. And if you can get pressure and you can block, you can win a lot of games. As as dumb and old school as it sounds, trenches are unbelievably important for that exact reason. When you bring consistent pressure, it's so hard. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Also, just how do you beat Aaron Rodgers? Not just pressure, but the ability to play coverage because we can win with our front. Incredibly hard to play against that. And then offensive line, as I've said a billion times, there's only two things you do on offense, run the ball and pass the ball, and you can't do either without an offensive line. So get those squared away, we'll be fine. JJ says he's not concerned and didn't get angry and despair with everyone last night. It's week one. He says, if we do this again next week, I'll have a different opinion, which is fair. ASD says, we've got ourselves a punter. I'm still in wait and see mode, but that's so far so good. Chad says, it's week one, but why is Lowry starting over Slayton? Very simple. They like Lowry. They don't like Slayton. Lowry is a veteran. Lowry is a guy they respect. Lowry is a guy that understands the defense. Slayton is a young guy that's really heavy and pretty good at pushing people around, but still doesn't really know what he's doing. And That's more or less what we've heard from our defensive line coach. I know fans don't like Lowry or Lancaster, but that's just the reality. Same thing happened with Snacks, right? We bring in Snacks, we're all excited about it. It's fourth and one, here's Snacks territory. Nope, Snacks is on the bench, Dean Lowry's in there. Makes no sense, I don't get it, but they just said, listen, Lowry knows what he's doing, Snacks doesn't, so he doesn't play. So whatever. To be fair, Slayton didn't grade out super well anyways. Noah says I went into the game thinking if there's any game this year we can lose badly it's this one. Matt LaFleur is a great coach, but I couldn't I could tell by camp reports and interviews he wasn't pushing the team, he wasn't being hard enough. I thought we would need a wake up call early and I'm glad it was week 1. I certainly hope you're right about that. And that is somewhat of a concern and this is entirely speculation, but you know, you've got a guy Aaron Rodgers who's very very much ready to walk because of the way he's treated. And so, and again, I think Matt LaFleur is much more like, okay, let's take it easy, you know, whatever you want. He may be taking that approach to the team in general. You know, I don't want to push these guys too hard because they might push back or whatever, which is not something that I think is a good thing. Um, At positive, Positive Energy G says, I'll have my answer next Monday night, which again is a similar sentiment and a good one. And again, it's entirely possible they're bad for two weeks, three weeks, whatever, and then kick into gear, which is not a good thing, but it's not as though if we lose to Detroit, it's it's all lost. It just really sucks and is closer to being a sure thing. Anyways, um, more or less a lot of the same sentiments here. Um, thank you to everybody that was able to get their comments in. I got a heck of a lot more. Like I said, I usually ask for questions on Twitter and I get absolutely nothing, but... Um, I don't know, it doesn't look like there's a count of how many comments, but there are a lot of comments here. But why don't we go ahead and take a break? Again, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. That would be greatly appreciated. Again, if you'd like to win the David Bakhtiari signed jersey, head over to the PackerNet Podcast Facebook page, the pinned post, it's right at the top there. Go ahead and share that. Make sure you like and follow that page, as well as sign up at pristineauction.com. Um use promo code or whatever they call it, sign up code. Packernet and they're going to give you 10 free dollars and you're maybe going to win a jersey and that'd be kind of cool i think that's it not really sure but we're going to take a break and we'll be right back we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so u.s cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so there's a lot of articles and things out there about uh, panicking, right? How much should the Green Bay Packers panic? In fact, uh, Yahoo Sports actually had an article here called Panic Index, how much should we worry about how bad week one teams like the Bills, Packers, and Titans were? For the most part, again, pretty much unanimous across the league, nobody's going to super panic about what's going on with the Packers, right? We'll get into some of the power rankings and everything else. The Packers did go down, which is understandable because of what happened. You lose by 35 points, you expect to get knocked down a little bit. But I haven't even seen anybody be super ridiculous with it and, like, drop them to to 20th or anything crazy. And even here, you've got, oh, that was bad. The Packers never lost by 35 points. This is the article in the Aaron Rodgers start before it. So this was written by Frank Schwab over at Yahoo. Don't know who that is, but uh, he caught that one. But he goes on to say, "Um, The Packers' loss to the Saints doesn't erase how good Green Bay has been the past two seasons. But it was such a blowout that it's at least least a little bit troubling. We'll give the Packers, who are 13-3 each of the past two seasons, a pass for one bad game. They're 10.5-point favorites against the Detroit Lions, and that's a time to get right. If the Packers struggle with the Lions, we'll crank up the concern. Panic level, it says not too high, and then in parentheses it says yet. I think that is a perfectly reasonable thing to say, which is weird because the entire offseason, every article I read is like, this is stupid, and let me spend the next hour and a half explaining why and how much I hate the person that wrote this. I think every word of that is perfectly reasonable. PFF also kind of chimed in on that. Um, they had their, They had a buy or sell kind of an article, right? Am I buying it or am I not buying it, essentially? And so the claim was, it's time to panic in Green Bay, all caps, and they said SELL. It went on to say, and this, this one, the reason I mostly copy and pasted this, aside from going along with the idea that most people are being calm about this, some pretty crazy statistics that I did not know. But it says, it was truly a dumpster fire of a day for the Green Bay Packers, who lost by 35 points to the New Orleans Saints. Reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers looked anything like, anything like the top player in the NFL, anyways, uh, and had one of the worst performances of his career. His 43.3 PFF grade was the second lowest of Week 1 and is among the five worst of his time as the Packers' starting quarterback. According to PFF's ball location charting, this is information that I cannot get, but again, it's part of the reason I like using PFF because all this stuff is behind the scenes and goes into their grading system. It's not like they just got guys who are just randomly making stuff up. This is very in-depth, detailed stuff. But anyways, according to PFF's ball location charting, Rodgers only... Rodgers also threw only 30% of his passes accurately. 30% were accurate passes. They said this is the worst mark he has posted in a single game since PFF began collecting that data in 2016. And that's troubling to me. Because this isn't just decision-making now. Now we're talking about a guy that can't put the ball where it needs to go. And we can talk about his below-the-belt shot all we want, but unless he's getting hit below the belt every other pass, something is going on. And if you remember back to 2018, one of the bigger issues I had with Aaron Rodgers is the fact that his ball location was just terrible. Right, He couldn't hit guys deep. He kept overthrowing or underthrowing everybody. He would miss guys in the flat. Uh, just the placement of the ball was just not good. So that has me a little bit concerned. And again, we can say that, look, not only did he not have a preseason, which again, I think is overblown, but if he also hasn't been putting a ton of work in in the offseason, which he hasn't. I know there was some reports about him for like a week with some guys or whatever doing some stuff and that was like right before he decided to come back it's like let me get a cram session in is anybody gonna take care of the stupid dog just barking and barking upstairs tell you what i've never met anybody who was more excited to get a dog than my daughter biggest animal person on planet earth i didn't think the uh love and passion for this dog would wane as quickly as it did it took like two days and she's burned out and she's i'll like, take the dog out i already did for like eight seconds like <laughs> It's shocking. But anyways, despite all the games we've seen, all the seasons we've seen of Aaron Rodgers just seeming off, this is the worst game of his entire career in terms of just putting the ball in the right spot. And so, you know, we, we can we can talk about the preseason all we want, but again, there are some bigger issues here, and, and maybe it was, again, not having an off season. I don't know exactly what the issue is, but um, he needs to kind of get that work through. I was talking to uh, my half-Mexican lawyer, Blaine, he was mentioning how frail and feeble he looks. And he does look very small. And, and the only reason that kind of matters is because last year, you remember he was talking a lot about building up his legs, right? Building up your strength, building up your muscles, partly to sustain your career, but also because you realized the lower body, uh, the things he was doing with his lower body that he had kind of stopped doing. And so he tried to train and get bigger and stronger or everything else, especially in his lower body. And if he's been kind of just letting that go that's not good either. So anyways, that's somewhat concerning to me to see 30%. So 70% of his passes were not put in the right spot. Goes on to say the Packers ranked 31st in EPA per play generated and 32nd in EPA per play allowed on defense. So that's estimated points, something or another. It's some kind of a metric that says, this is what we expect of you. How well did you do against expectation? Goes on to say, as bad as this all sounds, it's time to R-E-L-A-X relax, Green Bay, at least for now. Again, exact same sentiment. It was only one week. The Packers still rank eighth in PFF's power ranking and are clear favorites to win the NFC North. They're coming off a successful 2020 campaign and retain the most important pieces from that squad. Very true. So again, even around, you know, as much as everybody loves drama, um, everybody's more or less acknowledging it's still the Packers. And fortunately, nobody has decided that what we should do here is start being crazy and stupid. Maybe if it was in the offseason, when guys are trying to get their paychecks and things are not going great, as opposed to now when everybody's kind of tuned in and they're going to make money no matter what. They can tell the truth. They can lie. They can do whatever. So you might as well tell the truth because i will still make a bunch of money. I don't know. I'm just saying, so far, it's been pretty level-headed. Obviously, the shock jocks will be shock jocks forever because that's just what they do. Um, Also chiming in is Mr. Brett Favre. Um, I don't necessarily agree with his sentiment. And it's one of those things where it's like, I should just let it go and be like, yeah, dude, great point. But I'm too much of a nerd to do that. But Um, Favre says, write this one off as preseason game. The actual quote here, it says there's 17 regular season games now, now versus 16. So yeah, you can write this one off as a preseason game. Favre said on Tuesday on the Sirius XM Blitz with Brett Favre and Bruce Murray goes on to say, for example, it was the first time Aaron Rodgers got on the field. He obviously was rusty. They were not themselves. So call it a tune up. If you will, is there cause to panic and be concerned? I would, uh, I would say panic question mark. No concern yes but again it's a regular season game there's so many weird things here's my only issue with that is pretending it's a preseason game the game counts right and i said this already but but people kind of go beyond that and they're like i know but there's still 16 games so you can still be a 13 win team you know we can go 13 and 3 the rest of the season the issue i have with that if we go 13 and 4 let's say we go 13 and 3 from here on out and that was our one practice game Are we closer to being a thirteen and three team or a twelve and four team? It would seem as though the answer is right smack dab in the middle. At least that's where my mind goes. If you're much better at math than I am, you probably know the answer. And you're closer. You're a lot closer to twelve and four than you are to thirteen and three. You're basically a twelve and four team. Thirteen and four is is basically twelve and four. Your win percentage, if you are thirteen and three, is eighty one percent. Your win percentage, if you're twelve and four, is seventy five percent. Your win percentage, if you're thirteen and four, is seventy six percent. So again, those numbers are 75, 76, 81. So it's it's not a mulligan. Like a loss is is very impactful. And if they go 13 and 3 from here on out, they're a 12 and 4 team. They're not a 13 and 3 team. Because essentially we're 13 and 3 with an extra loss. You can check the math for yourself. So again, I'm 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 nerding out a little bit too much on this and taking it a little bit too far, but I just don't like the idea that, well, that game we'll just pretend that doesn't count. It does. It absolutely counts. And our our, our 13 wins if we get it are going to mean less. And uh, as we know, every year things get very competitive. It's always down to the wire, always down to the wire in terms of who wins the division, or always down to the wire in terms of getting that number one overall seed. It's it's going to be one of those things, or down to the wire of getting into the playoffs, depending on where we are, you know, in terms of our talent level. Every season, at the end of the season, it's it's crunch time. And you start to look back at games that you should have won and you lost, and you think that is a lot worse than I expected. So it's nice of Favre to chime in, but uh, it's also inaccurate. That's that, that game counts. In terms of the top 10 lists, and I know a lot of people don't care, but everybody had to get their top 10 lists in, and so I want to kind of just look at them. And again, I don't really have a lot of issues with a lot of these. I think some of them are not great. Uh, maybe one of them, I don't even know if I put it in my notes. But um, for example, if you look over at Sports Illustrated, over at Fan Nation, Bill Huber, um, they've got the Green Bay Packers sitting at 6th which I think is fair, right? You got the Rams, the particular order, whatever. And it looks like, uh, wait, Bill Huber put them at 11th, but Sports Illustrated overall has them sixth. The Rams, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, San Francisco, Cleveland, and then the Packers. Now, you don't necessarily have to agree with those teams being in front. I mean, you could say the Packers should be ahead of Cleveland. They should be ahead of uh, the Rams because we beat the Rams. However you want to do it, but sixth is not bad. You can put another team up there, put Baltimore in there. Well, they lost, but they shouldn't have. Whatever. Point is, when you get beat that badly week one and you're still seen as nearly a top five team, that's pretty reasonable. Now, again, if you look at Packers Central, which I believe is is the ranking that Bill Huber did, putting them at 11th, it's still not the worst thing in the world. But you start to get a little bit more dicey territory. But again, deserved. Tampa, Kansas City, L.A., San Francisco, New Orleans, which is fair because they beat us. Um, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Pittsburgh's on here twice, so obviously he didn't check his work very closely. The only really weird one here is the Chargers, but whatever. So again, still generally seen, and and technically Bill Huber did put us at 10th because, again, he put Pittsburgh on here twice. If you look at CBS's rankings, the Packers are sitting at 10th. um, Again, I'm sure by the end of the year they'll go up, but considering what happened now, it makes sense. You got the Buccaneers number one. I think this list makes more sense. Buccaneers number one, Chiefs number two, 49ers number three. I don't know about that necessarily, Rams 4, Cardinals 5, Saints 6, Steelers 7, Seahawks 8, and Bills 9, and and Bills are probably another team that are in a very similar boat where you assume they're going to bounce back, but who knows. And that still puts the Packers ahead of the Ravens, you know, the Browns, a couple other teams that you generally see as pretty talented teams, so not the worst thing in the world. They drop six spots, just like Buffalo dropped seven spots. If they annihilate the Lions, they move up a little bit. It's no big deal. Beyond that, they had quarterback rankings. CBS and ESPN got involved in that. Again, nothing super crazy. Even after he had one of the worst games of his entire career, CBS put Aaron Rodgers in the top five. They have him at um, fourth. They have Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you could probably make a case he belongs lower than that, especially if you wanted to do do something crazy. I mean, you can throw a guy in there, um, Josh Allen, uh, Dak Prescott, uh, Kyler Murray. Everybody's raging about him. Um, you know, you can put a lot of guys ahead of Aaron Rodgers, but they're like, no, we're just going to play it straight. And I think that's a completely reasonable list. But e- even here in, on CBS, it says, Exhibit A of past resume proven talent offsetting recent performance. Uh, G Rodgers was meh at best in his embarrassing debut, but everything says that should be an anomaly. So he got dropped two spots because of that performance. But he, again, everybody from across the football landscape is looking at this going, it was a fluke thing. Which again, I'm 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 saying I'm surprised by, because it feels like the media would love every opportunity to be able to say, "See, I told you, everything's a disaster. Everything's horrible." They love every opportunity they can to trash the Packers and trash Aaron Rodgers and trash this whole situation. If you switch over to ESPN, they have Aaron Rodgers third. It's Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, right? So, and that it, it, the funny thing is, if you look at the rank and then look at QBR. Pat Mahomes QBR 88, Tom Brady 65, Aaron Rodgers 13, and he's still third. So again, the point is all these different lists, and I'm very, very shocked at it. Um, Anyways, the only other thing I wanted to bring up here um, is an article written by Mr. Doug Farrar. Um, Did a little bit of deep diving on uh, SIS for some statistics here, and I found it pretty interesting. The one thing that we've been hearing consistently is that... um, playing two safeties, right, two high, whatever you want to call it, that's been the Achilles heel of the Green Bay Packers. Well, he went and dug into that a little bit. Here's what he found. And again, this is the kind of stuff I like because we say these things and we throw it out there, and sometimes we go and look it up and we actually find the information, and it's not what we thought, and sometimes it absolutely is. In this case, it sounds like we're on to something. He goes on to say, Per Sports Info Solutions, when presented with single high coverage in 2020, that's cover one, cover three, Devontae Adams caught 81, so he starts with Devontae, moves on to Aaron Rodgers, caught 81 of 99 targets for 971 yards, 574 air yards, a league high, 13 touchdowns, and a receiver rating of 139.8. Against any manner of two safety coverage, cover two, two two-man, cover four, cover six, Tampa two, Adams caught 28 of 42 targets for 335 yards, 238 air yards, two touchdowns, and a receiver rating of 86.9. Now, the only thing missing here... To provide a little bit of context is what percentage of the time do we go up against one or the other, right? Because if it was, you know, 20 to one, then you start looking at it going, well, it sounds like 20 cover two is even better for us, but still you get the stark contrast there. And I doubt that it would be anything much more than, than 50% because cover two is what seems to work against us. goes on to say the two deep conundrum obviously started with Rogers against single safety coverage last season. Rogers completed 205 of 299 yards for 2,496 yards. 1346 air yards, 29 touchdowns, two interceptions and adjusted net yards per attempt of 9.3 and a passer rating of 123.5. Against two high coverage, he completed 121 of 188 passes for 1734 yards, 1035 air yards, nine touchdowns, four interceptions and adjusted net yards per attempt of 8.2 and a passer rating of 101.2. So still not terrible but you can again see the stark contrast of 123.5 and 101.2 and the the good reason about the good thing about passer rating here is it's not depend it's not a cumulative statistic you can see that the difference between 123 and 101 in terms of regardless of what you think of passer rating as a total metric it provides a per pass metric so again it, it's just nice to be able to get a little backing and I wanted to be able to provide that to you thank you to Mr. Doug Ferrar for this over at uh, the USA Today site um Because, again, sometimes we say stuff and we don't know it's true, like saying that Mike Pettin ran a a press man defense, and I said that the entire time he was there until PFF came out with their statistics showing man and zone, and I found out the Packers played zone more often than most teams. They're actually a pretty zone-heavy team. So that whole narrative was incorrect. But now that we've identified it, it's a matter of fixing it. And and seemingly, again, the the point is what, what they're doing is they're playing coverage. Right, they're they're making it very hard to throw because they're providing extra coverage on the back end. Um, I know it's a lot more complicated than that, but that's that's generally what we're talking about. We're taking away any deep throws, and we're kind of just daring the Packers to run. And and so we know the solution to this, we know the remedy to this, and I really hope the Packers commit to running the ball unless they come out single high and they're like, no, we're not going to let you do that. And it's like, all right, cool. Which you know that may happen. I mean, if they look at Aaron Rodgers and they say, dude, thirty percent he was really struggling to throw. Let's see, you know, I mean, he couldn't even pick on Paulson Debo. Let's just see. Let's let's make sure they don't run, establish the run, you know. They don't tire out our defense, force them to throw a couple bad passes, and we get out, the, you know, see how it goes. But in general, assuming that is the general game plan moving forward, and and it may be more so for teams that trust their defensive lines more than others, where they feel like they can play just their base and stop the run, and I don't know if that would be the Lions necessarily. Although, what is it they think they can do? I uh, That's a mystery to me. But, for every other reason. And even if they are playing, you know, a little bit more stacking the box, I still want to see if we can run the ball and and establish that and start kind of softening the belly a little bit. You know what I mean? You got to throw in the belly blows. Not everything can be a big old haymaker. You're just going to tire yourself out and you're just going to end up getting knocked out in the end. You got to get the body blows in. You got to mix it up. You got to be able to win down there. And yeah, if they don't want to let up, fine. Throw a 30-yard strike and be like, ha ha, now what? Eventually they'll loosen up. But Point is, we, we, we got to have a better commitment to that, regardless of the circumstances. You just, you have to. It's way too hard to win football games if you're throwing all the time and they go on these longer sustained drives. Your defense gets tired out. Their defense is fresh. You know, it's one of those games where they just start to keep, you know, they start coming back and you start panicking and you may end up losing, you may end up winning, but it's just, it's not a great way to go about doing it. So anyways, again, we'll get more into that uh, later on in the week. Today's Wednesday, right? Please tell me it's Wednesday, because tomorrow's Thursday. I mean, sorry, you're at the Point is, we're getting there. We'll we'll probably do, oh, you know what? Shoot. I always, I'm so stuck in this day behind thing. I should have talked a little bit about the uh, Thursday football game, but that's all right. Whatever. doesn't matter. It's Giants in Washington, so I, you know, I'm picking the Giants, but you shouldn't care. So anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. Enjoy your uh, night of football if you even plan on watching that game. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.